Most people have never seen animation art by itself. They've just seen it in the films, and that's how it was intended to be. But it's really beautiful art on its own, and uh, I think you can appreciate it. I can't come down here and not smile. Steve Spain collects the rarest of Disney art, hand-drawn animation art from the earliest Disney films. His story this week. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. When people come come down here and say, oh, it's all arranged, everything, like, you know, we put it together in a day or something. Walking into Peoria, Illinois native Steve Spain's basement is like wandering into a Disney art museum. At one end are glass cases with beautifully crafted statues of classic characters from films like Fantasia and Pinocchio. There are countless books on shelves and a perfect place for reading in Mickey Mouse-shaped chairs right next to framed photos of Walt Disney from his Disneyland TV show. At the other end is a mini theater with surround sound and on the walls are authentic movie posters from Peter Pan and Sleeping Beauty, among others. But filling in the spaces between the two ends of the basement and spread throughout the display are the heart of Steve's collection. Almost a hundred original hand-drawn framed animation art pieces that span the 1920s to the 50s. Let's walk around a yeah, little yeah. bit and tell me some of your some of your favorite pieces here. Okay, how about let's start at the beginning. That okay. seems like a logical place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is one here is one that you saw, of course. This is an original uh, animation pencil drawing by Ub Iwerks uh, from the very first Mickey cartoon that was ever made, a film called Plane Crazy. Uh, a lot of people think Steamboat Willie was the first film. That was the first successful national distribution film, and it kind of, you know, uh, started the success of, of Walt, but uh, this is the first one made, and the second one was Gallop and Gaucho, and Steamboat Willie was actually the third one, but um, it's kind of an interesting story on this. this a, a collector had this for 20-some years in California, and back in the old days, before the internet, uh, there was a handful of collectors, and we knew kind of each other. Uh, there was a little magazine called In Tune, uh, and there was classified ads and swap meets and stuff. Uh, and I even wrote a couple articles for that magazine. But anyway, uh, this guy had had this, and I said, uh, you know, I'd love to see a picture of it. He was, and we were talking about things we had. And back then, we just send like Polaroids, you know? I mean, it seems so quaint now <laughs> with the, this instant internet. But uh, anyway, I got the picture. I said, oh, thanks. And I would send him a few things. And I said, hey, if you ever want to sell that plane crazy, you know? I'm gonna, oh, no, I could never sell that. Are you kidding? You know, it's, you know, I know. I'm just, you know, just had to ask. And every time I would talk to this guy, I would, it was a running gag, you know, hey, ready to sell that play? And no, no. And then years later, I asked him about it. And he said, oh, no, I can't sell it. I said, I don't blame you. I'm just kidding. You know that. I'm sure it's the focal point of your collection. It's probably the centerpiece. And uh, he said, uh, well, actually, it's, it's in a drawer. <laughs> I go, you're in a drawer. That should be on display. People should see that. And it was few weeks after that, he called me and said, you know, if I sold this, it wouldn't be cheap, but at least he was thinking now. And so after all these years, I, I finally got it. It's one of the best plain crazy drawings I think I've ever seen. You know, to have a the full screen, Mickey and Minnie in the plane, 
uh, taking up the whole, uh, you know, movie screen or the whole sheet of animation paper. That's pretty special. So for me, the coolest part about, you know, seeing these is actually like getting down here and seeing the, where the pencil met the paper, yeah. you know, and yeah. seeing the indentation mm -hmm. of the ink. Looking at the art up close, you can almost feel the history. It's palpable. Ub Iwerks, the man who helped Walt Disney create his greatest character, Mickey Mouse, one of the most recognizable icons in the world today, drew Mickey in his first film almost a hundred years ago on a piece of paper lying on a table in front of me. During the production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Walt Disney was quoted saying, we're not making cartoons, we're making art. It's easy to look at Steve's display and agree, and it's eclectic. When I set out to kind of build this collection one piece at a time, I wanted some, um, I wanted my favorite feature films, I wanted some of the shorts, I wanted pencil drawings, I wanted watercolor backgrounds, uh, key master setups, and I wanted concept art too. Um, this one here, the Cinderella piece, is a Mary Blair, that's from Cinderella. Um, and then that Ivan Earl is the... Uh, uh, you know, the Enchanted Forest and everything. But I think that's part of the process. And I often, like on the Mary Blair there, I say, you know, look at that castle. This was done in the probably the late 40s, long before there was Disneyland, Disney World or anything. And you look at that castle now and compare it to the Cinderella Castle in Orlando, that's pretty close. You know, I know it's a, you know, more of an abstract piece, but uh, you can see, you know, kind of where it came from. Who's your favorite artist? Oh, <laughs> man. There's all kinds of, you mean, there's, you know, there's animators and there's background art. I, I love Claude Coates' work as a background artist, uh, but I like Ivan Earle's things, too. He's very stylized. Uh, concept, you know, Mary Blair's a, a genius with color. Um, you know, Milt Call's a master animator. Uh, I had the good fortune to meet four of Disney's nine old men. Uh, they were all great guys and... Uh, uh, you know, it's hard to say. Steve's passion to collect began over three decades ago. His love of Disney goes back to his earliest beginnings. It all started, you know, like most people my generation, baby boom generation. I grew up with Walt Disney coming home from school, watching the original Mickey Mouse Club with Cubby and Roy and Annette and those guys. And then on Sunday, we would always watch our, as a family, you know, the, the wonderful world of Disney, wonderful World of Color. Uh, originally, it was the Disneyland show. Um, so I grew up with Disney. Um, but after that, I was a senior at Illinois State University, and I just happened to get, I was very fortunate to get a job as an apprentice movie projectionist. Now, that's back when films were actually on film and uh, on reels, went through a projector. But uh, I was a guy that would fill in for vacations and uh, days off for different uh, projectionist so I'd work a lot of theaters so I would always go to uh, eventually a, a theater where the Disney film was showing at that time and at first I was the typical young intellectual I thought ah, this is kid stuff and as I watched these films over and over again which you have to do when you're in a projection booth uh, uh, it's your job I, I thought man this really is, is beautiful work uh, the lavishness and the uh, meticulous attention to detail. It was much different than Saturday morning cartoons that I had seen. And so I started paying attention, reading the credits, and seeing some of the same names come up uh, over and over. And uh, it, uh, 
uh, you know, occurred to me that Walt Disney had put this team together that were responsible for the high quality and consistency of these films. And so that intrigued me. But my interest kind of left, and I did other things, you know, started a family and so on. But about 10 years after that, I was at the uh, Peoria, Illinois Public Library here in town, and I was in the art section. I was looking for a book by uh, on Edward Hopper, actually, but I saw this book sitting on the reading table that someone had left out, and it was called Treasures of Disney Animation Art by John Canemaker. It was this big coffee table book. And I, I picked it up, and I was just mesmerized by the uh, the artwork and pre-production work, the drawings, the layouts, uh, concept work, all the different things that went into these films. So um, I took the book home and checked it out and renewed it a few times. And then in the back of the book, there was a tiny little thing that said, Sources for Original Art. And I thought, Sources for Original Art? How can that be? Disney must have all the original art. And I would find out later that Disney did not have all the original art. In fact, Disney had given much of the art away. And uh, there were two names. Uh, one was uh, Stu Reesboard, who was out of Philadelphia, who was uh, working out of his house, selling and buying and collecting. And then Harry Kleiman in Los Angeles that was doing the same thing. So I contacted these guys and... Uh, they, they told me about animation, and they each invited me to their homes, and I flew out to each of the coast and talked to them, and uh, uh, the obsession was born. Animation art, which I love, doesn't really lend itself to regular home decor, you know, in most cases. So I thought, well, the basement is getting finished now. Maybe we can hang a few things there. And you know, I put one there and one there and, one, you know, spaced out 10 feet apart. And, uh, and just over the years, just added one thing at a time. And uh, it turned out pretty well, but there was no plan. <laughs> it, just, it just happened. For Steve, one of the most appealing aspects of collecting animation art is the idea of possessing an artifact from history. Years ago, when the um, uh, ruby slippers first came on the market, and there was, there was five or six pair, uh, uh, but uh, the one that was in the Smithsonian, that is really a great piece of Americana from one of the great films. And yet, if you owned one of the pairs of ruby slippers, if you were a millionaire and had one of those in your home, and you watched the film, you wouldn't know exactly if that was the pair that Judy Garland was wearing or it was another scene or it was her stand-in. Uh, with animation art, there's no question. That whole scene is yours, hanging on your wall, especially if it's a you know master background piece, and uh, th that's pretty cool. That's that's all I can say. You know, you've uh, you got one of those great magical moments because I think Disney films are just as important to our popular culture as our great live action films. And it's the producer behind those early movies that draws Steve in most. I love the films. I love the story of Walt Disney. Uh, this is his work. I think Walt Disney is one of the great rags to riches story in America. Um, I uh, think for a guy that had very little formal education, didn't finish high school, no formal film training, no formal art training, no formal business training. Uh, his first business venture ended up in bankruptcy <laughs> and then goes on 
to establish the largest multimedia conglomerate in the world. It's just, uh, it's, it's more rags to riches than Cinderella. Fantasy and storytelling are part of Steve's daytime life as well. He's the owner of the costume trunk in his hometown of Peoria. I'm in the costume business, which is strange and <laughs> also, but I've been doing that since 1981, so I've been doing that for 39 years. We do uh, theatrical costumes, Halloween costumes, makeup. When I was uh, attending Illinois State University, I was a, a theater minor, and so I have some background in makeup and costume making, and I know most of the standard shows and period costumes and things. As you know, when you go to a, a Disney park, you're on stage and you interact not with employees but cast members, and they're you know they're presenting a show. And I think costumes can do that. They can take an ordinary event make it extraordinary, whether they're historical period costumes or fantasy costumes or, uh, uh, you know, Snow White, whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, they can make an event extra special. And that's what Disney does best. They take something that's somewhat ordinary and make it Disney-fied and something that people appreciate the quality of the show. Um, they're the greatest storytellers. Steve and his wife, Janine, have passed along their Disney fandom to their kids and now grandkids. They're um, a little more uh, normal than you and I are, <laughs> but they still love and they enjoy going to the parks and they know more about the films and the characters than the average person. With a collection like Steve's, it's hard not to carry some of that passion. But his kids and grandchildren aren't the only people who've enjoyed Steve's art. I don't think you saw this one. This one's new, this Peter Pan oh. piece. Wow. He's displayed his collection at the Peoria Riverfront Museum and even has a book. The Art of Disney's Golden Age Films. Uh, we talk about the process of the old uh, hand-drawn animation and uh, some stories about how I acquired some different things and uh, the Disney fan might get a kick out of it. It's on uh, eBay. The track lighting from above spotlights the framed drawings and paintings equally. But there is one piece in Steve's captured moments that shines brighter than the rest. A highly sought-after item every Disney collector seeks is Walt's own signature. And every collector has a favorite piece. For Steve, they're one and the same. The first film I saw, I believe it was in 1958, it was Cinderella. That would have been the, the second release of it. So Cinderella's always been a favorite film of mine. And uh, uh, to have a piece of Cinderella in her ball gown, and a lot of people forget that uh, the Cinderella in her ball gown, that's the iconic image that we know of. We, you know, we see her at the theme parks and the parades and everything. But in the film, she only wears that gown for a few minutes in the entire film. So uh, ball gown, Cinderella art is very rare. And so for me to be fortunate enough to have a Cinderella in the ball gown, on a production background, in a mat signed and inscribed by Walt Disney himself. I don't think it gets much better than that. And uh, so that, if there was a fire here at the house, that'd be the one I'd grab. <laughs> years and years ago, I had bought a Cinderella ball gown piece uh, that I loved. It wasn't on a production background, it was on a studio prepared background, which they made that for presentation. And it was a very nice piece. And this is back in the days before the internet and everything, and we shared images. And there was a lady in California that I was talking to one time. She said, I really love Cinderella. And I go, I've got a Cinderella in the ball gown. 
And she said, oh, I'd, I'd love to see that. So I sent her a Polaroid back in those days. And she said, I love that. Would you ever consider selling that? And I go, oh, no, I, I wouldn't do that. And she said, I will offer you X dollars for it. Well, it was twice as much as I, I paid for. And I thought, wow, that's a very generous offer, but I, you know, I, don't, I don't think so. And a couple of months go by. She said, this is all I can do, but I will offer you, it was four times what I paid for it. And at that time, I thought, well, you know, I'm a genius. What a businessman I am, and uh, uh, I can get another one somehow. And so I sold it to her. And I tell you, I regretted it almost immediately. I started looking for another one, and there was nothing even came close to that. The one I had before was in the same spot as that one is now, and I took it down, and there was just that vacant spot. I couldn't put anything in it, and I was so sad. And like so many of these things, you know, you sell these things and you get money, but the money went, you know, probably my son's college education, which was important, you know, but, uh, uh, but Cinderella was gone, and I didn't know where the money went. <laughs> and, and I looked for years and years and couldn't find another, and then this one just happened to appear. There's a long story about how I got that one, too, but... Uh, this one's not going anyplace. I learned my lesson. He takes pride in his collection. It's neatly displayed, and any Disney fan would relish in seeing it in person as I did. But Steve also understands his contribution to preserving the past for others in the future to appreciate. On all these pieces, um, all these important pieces, uh, I feel like I think a lot of collectors do. You know, we pay a good amount of money to take care of these things, but we don't really own them. We're just taking care of them, hopefully keeping them in good shape until the next guy, and then they take, and that's how artifacts and history is uh, continued, I think. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. Find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub.